Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Music That Made Us podcast, and we are still doing the Music That Made Us podcast presents 5 for 5, the best of series. Today, we will be doing Def Leppard versus Motley Crue, 5 for 5, in sales, musicianship, showmanship, Albums, hits, test of time, and direction. Who will come out on top? Well, stick around and let's find out. So, this week of music, I didn't really see much that happened. Today, um, DMX, you might remember him from... uh, what is, was it? Uh, it? It is dark and hell is hot. Uh, something along those lines, you know. Party up in here. Uh, had a massive heart attack from a drug overdose. That is today, the day before Easter, Saturday before Easter. Uh, he is in grave condition in White Plains, New York. So if you're a DMX fan, uh, maybe send DMX some prayers. If you're a human being, send DMX some prayers. So let's uh, hope that DMX pulls through. I was a, I listened to his music while I was in high school. Not so much anymore because I don't think he's made any good music lately. I do realize he was on tour a couple of years ago, I think 2017, for the 20th anniversary of that album, where it was Party Up In Here and a couple other songs that he did on that album that made it go. I think it, I think it was a platinum-selling album. And uh, so let's get on to uh, Five for Five. We always start off this series, always. <laughs> this is number two, by the way. Last week we did uh, Kiss and Van Halen, and that was a tie. This week we're doing Def Leppard and Motley Crue, and we're starting off with sales again. Now, I was extremely shocked by this. I didn't expect this to happen. I was looking at America only, because I, I, it I'd slipped my mind that Def Leppard was from, from Great Britain. How that slipped my mind, I don't know. Um... They're from Sheffield, by the way. And Motley Crue is from Los Angeles, the Hollywood area. Um, (laughs) So I looked at the United States sales, the RIAA standings. Def Leppard has two Diamond albums. That means they have at least 20 million record sales from two albums. Okay? I looked at... Motley Crue's albums, just their studio albums, and added them up. Just, just you know, platinum is a million, double platinums too, you know, stuff like that. I didn't come up with anything. They didn't even hit twenty million. So how on earth they've sold a hundred million worldwide? I, I still haven't figured it out, but they have. That's what it says if you look it up. Def Leppard, it says, has sold 100 million plus worldwide. So 
the figures are basically the same, but I don't know how they come up with these. The only thing I can come up with is that Motley Crue has gone the KISS route because they're big KISS fans and they've probably watched their model and saw how they made all their money. And they have released oogles, just, just a massive amount of compilation albums. And they've done a good job with video albums as well. Now, if the video albums go to uh, these figures, I don't know. I haven't figured that out. I didn't do really any research into it. Uh, if you know that, give me a, give me a holler. Give me a, send me a text, send me an email, send me something if you know. Um, but I think that's how they've managed to get to this hundred million worldwide, is by releasing just a massive amount of material. So let's go through this line by line. And let's start with let's start with Motley Crue. Okay, I was going to start with Def Leppard, but let's start with Motley Crue who Carthy is the one that told me, he sent me a thing that says, I think you're off, 100 million worldwide. I'm like, well, I was just looking at the United States, but Death Leopard is an international band, so we're going to have to go worldwide on this one. So here we go. Their first album, Too Fast for Love, which I, I didn't think I was going to like it because I hadn't listened to it in probably 30 years. Um... I actually enjoyed it this time a lot more than I was expecting. It was a uh, it's platinum in the United States. That's it. Shout at the Devil number 2. Four times platinum in the United States, three times platinum Canadian and gold for Australia. And then we have Theater of Pain. As you can start to see here, they're starting to get a little more polished. Um, I'm not sure. Let's have a look. I'm not sure if this is where Bob Rock comes into the picture or not. Let's have a look. No, he's not in here yet. But this one goes four times platinum U.S., three times platinum in Canada. And then they go girls, girls, girls. And it's even more polished. And it goes four times platinum US, two times platinum Canada, and silver in the UK. It's the first time any of their albums sell a significant amount in the United Kingdom. Then comes their big one, Dr. Feelgood. And this is when they bring in the big guns. This is when Bob Rock comes in and he is, if you listen to our other podcast, he's the guy that came in with Metallica on the Black Album and you know how much it sold. And it went six times platinum US, three times in Canada, gold in the UK, platinum in Australia, platinum in New Zealand, in gold in Switzerland. So it did some selling. They made some money off of Dr. Feelgood, which, by the way, everybody, back in my respiratory therapy days, 
when we would have a difficult patient, and I was working with my partner, Cal, and we'd go into a room with this difficult patient, and we wanted to give them a hard time as they were giving us, we went by our aliases. Cal's alias was Dr. Love. <laughs> and my alias was Dr. Feelgood. Because the difficult patients generally just assumed that because we were both men and we were called in when the patient became extremely difficult because nurses always call respiratory therapists when a patient becomes super difficult and the nurse knows nothing else to do, they must be having problems breathing. So two men come in. They're like, doctor, doctor. And we're like, sure, what's your name? I'm Dr. Feelgood. This is Dr. Love. So yeah, Dr. Feelgood was my alias. After Dr. Feelgood comes their self-title album. Motley Crue. That's a little bit of a break, too. It come until 1994. And it only went gold in the U.S. Then there's Generation Swine. And it only went gold in the U.S. Then we have New Tattoo. It did not have any success. It doesn't have any uh, certifications. Then we have Saints of Los Angeles. And it, it went gold in Canada. Now they have several live albums. Uh, some of them have charted, but none of them have any certifications. Now they're compilation albums. Their first one, uh, Decade of Decadence, which probably most everybody knows of, a lot of people probably own, it managed to chart number two in the United States on the Billboard Top 200, which is extremely impressive for a compilation album. It went double platinum in the United States, gold for Australia, and platinum in Canada. Now, they have two albums in their platinum, <laughs> excuse me, in their compilation arsenal that have the exact same name. So I'm going to put in the year here. We have Greatest Hits 98. It went gold in the United States. Then we have Supersonic Demonic Relics, it did not have any certifications. The Millennium Collection, no certifications. Uh, loud as Fanabla Fangul, no certifications. That is a, not what it says, but if you know Italian, you'll know what I said. Red, White, and Crew, 2005. It went platinum in the U.S. and double platinum in um, Canada. Then we have Greatest Hits 09. Platinum U.S., gold in Canada. And now 
we have the Dirt soundtrack, which accompanied the movie, The Dirt. Um, it did not get a certification. It did chart fairly well, though. We have a couple of box sets, uh, some EPs, and then we have some video albums. And all of their video albums are did awesome. Uh, Uncensored, Two Times Platinum, U.S., Dr. Feelgood, Platinum, U.S., Decade of Decadence went gold in the U.S., Lewd, Crude, and Tattooed, gold in the U.S., Platinum in Australia, Greatest Video Hits went platinum, U.S., Carnival of Sins Live, Three Times Platinum, which, that's really good. Now, none of this is anywhere near what KISS did, if you remember. They had eight times platinum video hits, you know. But, I mean, that's really good stuff here. But still, it all equates up to, as our, uh, as it says, uh, 100 million worldwide. So, if you want to add all that up, go right ahead. So, let's roll over here to Def Leppard. They have 11 album, studio albums, and um, I believe it's nine for Motley Crue. Let me make sure of that. Let me count this up real quick. Yeah, it's nine. And they're, they're roughly, um, did, the, uh, did, did the band thing from the same time? I mean, Def Leppard was formed a little bit earlier, but Def Leppard did not put out their first album until like 81. And I think Too Fast for Love came out right around that exact same time. Let's find out. Yeah, 81. So, yeah, they came out. They, they were making albums at the exact same time. So they are extremely contemporaries here. Matter of fact, they were supposed to have a tour last year where they were the co-headliners. Def Leppard, Motley Crue co-headlining with Joan Jett and I believe Poison as opener opening acts so yeah that's uh quite the quite the act there i'm not i'm not sure about the poison part i'm pretty sure that's what i said what i saw i think uh carthy and myself whenever things get back to normal here we might go on that one as a bit of a reconnaissance a little research see how things really are in the music biz these days because i want to see i've watched some uh i watched uh Concert footage of both of these bands from back then and now. Because uh, one of the things I was going to do instead of doing direction was going to be sexual innuendo in songs and at concerts. Well, the, uh, the songs, it was going to be a tie. They both, you know, girls, 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 women. I mean, they both, all of them have, as Paul Stanley says, suck me, fuck me songs. They both have a large amount of both. Concerts in the 80s was going to be the same, but today it, it's going, it's vastly different. A Motley Crue concert is consists of uh, men, young men to older men, and then a bunch of women who are acting like strippers, it looked like. A bunch of loose women. Pardon me, but that's what the concert footage showed. Def Leppard... The, the ones that I saw were mainly from England, and the English crowds were far different than anything I could find in the U.S. English crowds were much more 
zipped up, buttoned up. Man, they were just there for the show. They were there to rock out. There wasn't any, you know, taking off your top. There was none of that. Um, so, which is, that was most of Def Leppard's concert videos were from the UK. Meaning they are a U, they are a, they are an English band. So it would make sense that most of their concert footage would come from Europe. So that's kind of, kind of hard to compare the two today so I took that one out and put back direction and I want to I'm going to keep it that way I'm always going to keep it these five all right Def Leppard first album on through the night platinum both U.S. and Canada album number two uh high and dry uh, double platinum in the United States, platinum in Canada. And part of me, I said their first album was 81. Their first album was an 80. Here it comes. Pyromania, 83. Diamond, 10 times platinum in the U.S., 7 times platinum in Canada, gold in France, and silver in the U.K. This is when they finally start taking off in the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom had a bit of a problem with them because they started off their career with... You know, making songs like Hello America, you know, because, and so they said they were like trying to, you know, cater to America, trying to get their foot in the door out here and kind of leaving the UK behind. Uh, they said that's not true. That's just a song that they had written. If you know anything about NXS, their key was hitting Australia, making it there, and then after Australia was going to America. That's in excess. I've never heard anything about Def Leppard saying, we've got to just go to America. America's where it is. America's where it is. In excess was always saying, America is where it is. So I think uh, they had it wrong about Def Leppard on this point. Here's the big album. Hysteria. Diamond. 12 times platinum U.S. Diamond. 13 times platinum in Canada. Platinum in Switzerland. Gold in Sweden. Platinum New Zealand. 4 times platinum Australia. Double platinum in the U.K. Adrenalize. 3 times platinum U.S. 4 times platinum Canada. Platinum Switzerland, gold Sweden, gold France, platinum Australia, platinum the UK. Here's where here's their big switcheroo where they go from batting right-handed to batting left-handed. Slang, gold in the UK, gold in the US, platinum in Canada. This is where they decided they wanted to try to become a little grunge. Kind of like everybody did right around now. Lyrics got darker. Music went, dropped it down a chord, went to that E chord, and it didn't really hit for them. 99 comes out, Euphoria. And even in the liner notes, they said, hey, we're listening to you guys. We're going back to what we do best. Straight up, hard rock. 
And with that, they got a gold record in Canada and the United States. It's like it sold, it's sold almost 600,000 copies to date. Then we have X, which came out in 02. It does not have any certifications, and it does have listed that it sold about 225,000 copies. Then we have Yeah, comes out in 06, no certifications. Songs from the Sparkle Lounge, no certifications. And then we have Def Leppard, their self-titled release. Their last release, as a matter of fact, from 2015. No certifications. Now, I did uh, compilations for the last band, Motley Crue, so I'm going to have to do them for them as well. Uh, 93 was their first one, Retroactive. It was comprised mainly of B-sides and songs that they had left out of past albums. It was platinum in the U.S., platinum in Canada, and gold in Switzerland. So that's out there's another million. Now here's the first Def Leppard album that I purchased with my own money. Vault. Greatest Hits, 80 to 95. Because it came out in 1995. Four times platinum U.S., two times platinum Canada, platinum in the U.K., and it charted number three on the Billboard Top 200 in 1995 U.S. Really impressive. Still not as impressive as Monte Cruz because it got to number two. 04 is their next one. Uh, Best of Def Leppard. Went platinum in the U.K. in 2004. That's... Kind of impressive. Uh, 2005, Rock of Ages, The Definitive Collection. Platinum U.S., Double Platinum in Canada, Gold in New Zealand. Now, we go to 2018. The Story So Far, The Best Of, Silver in the U.K., now, they have a, a, a slew of live albums as well, but they have not, they didn't start releasing live albums until 2011. And that's uh, Mirrorball, Live and More. It went gold in the U.S. It's the only one with any certification. Uh, Viva Hysteria, and there will be more next time. That's from Detroit. That's on Blu-ray. I need to. I should have checked that out. I don't know how I missed that. And then London to Vegas from 2020. Several EPs. Uh, they do not really have any true video albums. They got lots of music videos, but they don't have any video albums like Motley Crue did, like Van Halen did, like Kiss did so far. This is this is the first band that we've covered that didn't have any video albums. So there you go. So had it not been for the fact that I took in worldwide stats because they are a band from Europe, Def Leppard would have won this hands down in America, which says a lot. Because Motley Crue is from America. But I had to take into the, the full stats. I had to take it in all the way. All the compilation albums. All the live albums. Everything else. Uh, 
And so they both sold over 100 million albums throughout the world. So it's a tie. But just right here in the United States, it's like studio albums only. It's like, just think, of, just look at it this way. Pyromania and Hysteria in the United States only is 22 million. This is just going off RIAA numbers, okay? To Motley Crue's 19 million. That's just going off the, just reading it off. Four times four times four times four, six, gold goes 500. Just adding up those numbers, you come up with that. That's what it comes up to. So Def Leppard, after two albums, has sold more than they have. Just off of the United States numbers. But then you add in all these other countries and they somehow get it up. So it's just going to be a tie. It's just, it's just weird how these things happen. Alright, let's roll over here to musicianship. Which, Motley Crue has never really been known for their musical ability other than probably Tommy Lee who is a spectacular drummer who started drumming in high school he was on the in the, in the band in high school he did some he's the way he can twirl a drumstick is just just insane let's go over the band members all right here we go started off we're just going to start off with when they started releasing the music we're not going to start off when they started trying to form the band. We got Nikki Six, who was with the band since they started on bass. And we got Tommy Lee, who's been with the band. He was with them from 81 to 99. And then he came back in 04 through 15. And then they took a little break. And then they've, 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 they're back now. They made that album to go along with Dirt. And then they're going to go back on tour again. And we got Mick Mars, who has never left the band. He's the lead guitar player. He's been with them since, since, since the get. And Vince Neal, lead vocals. 81 to 92. And came back in 96 throughout. All right. So John Kurabi came in in 1992 to take over after Neil left. So, and that was for the album Motley Crue. Kurabi, who was the singer for, what, Rat, I believe? Yeah, I think that's who it was. Um, he's, at least he's sung for Rat at some point, and uh, Union and ESP, which is also with uh, Bruce Kulick. Oh, excuse me, he's been a guitarist for Rat. Um, Rob, he's been in a lot of bands. He's what you would refer to as a rock journeyman. Um. Man, he's uh he's been everywhere. Poor guy, I can't catch a break. Um in '96 when Neil came back, they didn't really kick out Karabi. He just kind of 
transitioned into a fifth member of the band as a guitar player. I guess he would have been like a, a second lead guitarist, which, you know, if you've ever heard songs, get a second lead guitarist, boy, you're going to go far. <laughs> he didn't like it, and then he ended up leaving on his own. Um, as for drummers, as you know, as I said, uh, Tommy Lee was not there the entire time. They had a guy named Randy Castillo, who was there from 99 to 2000. Well, he left in 2000 due to health issues. And he ended up having cancer, and he actually passed away with uh, the cancer diagnosis. Well, Samantha Maloney, who has been the drummer for Hole, and is probably the... Uh, she might be the best female drummer there is. And is probably one of the top five drummers to come out of the alternative music scene from the 90s. Yeah, she's up there. She's really good. Um, there's a... There's a da, 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 I think it's on Netflix, maybe? Or, or Amazon Prime? A little documentary about her during one of the tours with Hole. I can't remember which one it is. I've not watched it all, but I started watching it. It's really interesting. She's a really good drummer. She was with them after uh, Castillo had to leave due to health problems and until Tommy Lee came back in 04. She did not do any albums with them. She was a touring member only. So those are the band members of Motley Crue. So here are the band members for Def Leppard. You got Joe Elliott, who's been with them for the duration from 1977 through now on lead vocals. Main instrument. He does a few other things. Just everybody has a few other things, other jobs other than their main instrument in both bands. But we're just talking about their main job. We got Rick Savage from 77 and through now. Bass guitar. We got Rick Allen who is um, drums from 1978 until now. And you had Tony Kenning, who was their first drummer from 77 to 78 on drums. He did an uh, EP with them, which you can probably hear on a few platforms. Or if you want to go out and buy it, you can. But he didn't last Pete Willis, who was their one of their who was their very first guitar player and one of the actually founding members, he was the guy that he it was he and Rick, I believe, Savage that got Joe and moved on along with the band. He was there from seventy seven to eighty two and was let go due to alcoholism. He just couldn't perform anymore due to his love of the drink. Steve Clark, who they brought in as their second guitar player, they wanted a second lead guitar and they wanted someone who played rhythm as well. He came in in 78 and was with him until 91. Sadly, died due to a mixture of um, prescription medication and alcohol. 
he had a severe alcohol dependency, which is weird because they fired one guy over it, but realized he had a big issue. They had just let him take a six-month stay from the band to try to get a hold of it, and it was during that six months that he OD'd. Phil Collin came in in 82 to take over for Pete Willis, and he is still with the band on guitar. And then they brought in Vivian Campbell, who played with Dio before, uh, to take over for Steve Clark in 1992, because Phil Collin was like, I'm not doing all this guitar work on my own, because trying to play Steve's parts is really hard and do my part and the rhythm work and trying to play two lead guitar parts is insane plus the rhythm work you're going to find me somebody else or I'm going to leave the band is basically what he said so they brought in Viv so let's run it down lead vocals who's a better singer Vince Neil Joe Elliott well, I got to give it to Joe. Joe is a great singer. Today, it's definitely Joe. Vince Neil's voice isn't what it used to be. Joe's voice still sounds like it used to. Now, when you're singing the heaviest songs from back in the day, if you listen, the earlier records, Vince can carry the tune better on the heavier Motley Crue songs than Joe can on the heaviest Def Leppard songs. Because don't get it wrong, Def Leppard started off as a British heavy metal band. And Motley Crue started off as one of the premier glam metal bands. And they kind of transitioned to hair metal, and they kind of just flew on out of that into hard rock that they kind of became. Kind of like Def Leppard did. They kind of moved away from the British heavy metal and into a hard rock, just moved it right into fourth gear and left it there. Just sort of like what Motley Crue did. But, yeah, I'm definitely going to say Joe's the better of the vocalists. I think he's got more of a range. I think he can uh, perform in more of a variety. He sounded spectacular when he performed with Brian May and the rest of Queen at the Freddie Mercury uh, event after after his passing. He was one of the best at that event. Um, We talked about Metallica performing at that in our past podcasts. Uh, They did not sound that great when they came to their singing part. (laughs) All right, bassists. Uh, Nikki Six, Rick Savage. I'm going to go with Nikki Six because Nikki Six not only is the bassist, but he's also writing all of not only most of the music, but he's also writing most of the songs 
at least he did in the early part. Now I think they share more a lot more of the writing. But them early days, he was he was the writer. And that says a lot. Uh, Def Leppard has shared the writing credits from the beginning, pretty much. As you can see on a lot of their albums, especially Pyromania, you'll notice that uh, this Pete Willis fella ha has several writing credits still on that album. So he wasn't in the band at the time, but he was still getting paid. So don't feel bad for old Pete. He got diamond money for not being in the band because he wrote diamond-level songs. Um, but yeah, Nikki Six I think, is a spectacular bass player. He is a spectacular backup vocalist. He is a spectacular songwriter. Uh, Rick Savage, he's a great bass player as well. Uh, I've heard his some of his bass work start off songs. I've heard his bass work in instrumental songs. I don't know about his songwriting so much. But he knows how to curate an album, I can tell you that. He he he's 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 not bad, but I just don't think he's Nikki Six. So gotta go with Nikki. Now comes the harder part, because you've got Mick Mars, who plays lead and rhythm, versus a few guitarists here. Is Mick better than Pete? Yeah, I'm going to say Mick's better than Pete, because when Pete Willis and Steve Clark were in the band, Steve Clark was doing 90% of the work. They've said that. So Mick Mars is better than Pete Willis. So Pete Willis, you're, you're out. Now you've got Steve Clark, who, if you look at several... Like, uh, top 10, top 100 lists. Steve Clark makes it on several of these lists of like guitar god lists or uh, wildest guitar god lists. I've seen him on that, stuff like that. He's on those lists. I've not seen McMars on them, but Steve Clark is. Steve Clark was a spectacular, excuse me, spectacular um classically trained rock and roll musician. He could read music. He could write music. And I don't mean, you know, write a song. He could actually sit down and, like, you know, write where the, the notes would go. He, he would only play something if it that's how it was supposed to be. He didn't just pick it up like you or me normally would, you know, learn how to play the guitar on a whim. His father bought him guitar on the fact that he had to learn how to play it, but he had to learn how to play it correctly. So he had to go through, learn how to read music, learn how to play the music that he read, and so on and so forth. It's not like, you know, most of these rock and roll musicians who hear the song, they're like, okay, that sounds cool, let me try to see if I can duplicate it. So is Mick Mars better than Steve Clark? No. Phil Collin, is Mick Mars better than Steve Collin? I must say that's probably a tie. Steve Collin is, I mean, excuse me, Phil Collin is a great guitar player. He is the lead guitarist of Def Leppard, which is a rock and roll Hall of Fame band. He's also the lead guitarist and lead singer of several offshoot bands. Um, Mick Mars 
just had to relearn the guitar himself for um, Motley Crue's comeback in the 04 time frame. <laughs> so, man, I got to give the point for lead guitar, rhythm guitar to Def Leppard, mainly because Steve Clark's spectacular. Oh, I forgot all about Vivian Campbell. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say McMars is better than Viv and Pete, but not better than Steve and Phil. So, yeah, the point's going to go to Def Leppard on that one. Now comes the, the big one, though. Could it, this is going to determine if it's going to be a tie or the point's going to Def Leppard. Drumming. Okay? Now, early on, before I ever did any research on this, I'm like, Tommy Lee gets the point. Dead, set, match, point. Tommy Lee is the musical drummer. He's a spectacular drummer and an awful human being. That's just, that's how it's going to be. But I did a little more research on this. Def Leppard has spent 2020 doing nothing but digging through old albums. Albums not released. Songs not released. Songs released. Live albums. And every single member, excuse me, every single original member, Viv hasn't done any of this. And curating albums of their own. They're either somewhere between four to six songs. And they have released these. Now, I know they're on Amazon Music. And they are titled such as these. Let me read them off to you. Let me pull up Amazon Music real quick. They are things like Epic Leopard, curated by Phil Collin. Alzheimer's, curated by Rick Savage. The Viv Years, curated by Phil Collin. Uh, this is one of my favorites right here. Um, oh, actually, I forgot about this one. Electric Warriors, curated by Joe Elliott. Actually, I haven't even seen, I haven't even seen this one. I've not even heard of some of these songs. This is spectacular. Uh, Let There Be Drums. This is the one that changed my opinion. Curated by Joe Elliott. Not the drummer. It's this song right here that made me change. I so want to play this song on this podcast. I want to hit play. But I'm afraid that if I do, I'm going to get flagged. I'm going to get flagged, and then Def Leppard's going to, you know, lawyers are going to flag, shoot down on me. And I'm going to be, you know having to like take down on my whole thing and you know shit's gonna get real maybe that's what i need i don't know but he's gonna step on you again that is a that is a song i had not heard until i found this and then there's another one called glad i'm alive 
early version. Those two songs I'd never heard, and they changed my entire perspective on Rick Allen. And then there's one, The Two Arm Years, curated by none other than the drummer Rick Allen. And this one right here, Wasted. It was a single, so you might know this one, but it's a live version at the New Theater in Oxford, UK in 1975. Man, this song sounds like Black Sabbath. His drumming is straight out of 1970 Black Sabbath. I was like, oh my word. That is pure heavy metal drumming. That's not what Tommy Lee does. He is not that. His drumming might be good, but it's not that. So let me give you a rundown of the drums that make me go, ah, listening to these. And I've already given you a couple. Let me give you a couple more. Actually, let me give you two more. Two more exactly. Def Leppard drumming songs that are going to just, that will make you think, man, that guy can drum. And actually, these are, I think these are one-arm songs. I know one of them is. Rocket, off of Hysteria, is a one-arm drumming song. Now, I've watched how he has his kit. He has three pedals for his left foot. So he has the bass drum with his right foot. And his right arm is doing the drumming. So he has he's missing his left arm. So I'm, I'm assuming with most people you have the phantom pains. And a lot of people can still feel their arm. Now he lost his arm in an accident. After pyromania. And he was in his Corvette driving home, I believe, from the airport, and he was going around a curve in Alfa Romeo, if the story recollect correctly here, passed him, and as it passed him, it clipped his bumper, or tapped him somehow, and knocked him off the road, and as he went off the road, he bumped through a stone fence in a sheep farmer's yard. And he's in a Corvette. And Corvettes, even back then, were not made of metal. We're talking a 80s model. So this is like a C... Maybe a C4 model of Corvette? No, it's a... Yeah. Yeah, it's a C4. So... He lost his arm in that. His arm, They found his arm. They reattached it. It regained circulation, but it became infected, and they had to remove it. So I'm assuming that he probably may have feelings still it's in, during hysteria time. He might still feel like his arm is there. So as he's drumming with his right, he might actually feel that he's moving his left when it should be moving. So it might actually make when he's moving that left foot for those three pedals easier. But, you know, by now it's just 
you know, brain, muscle memory, but it might have made it easier to learn. But it's quite interesting to watch him do it when they'll actually zoom in the camera to watch him drum. It was really cool to see. But Switch 625 and Rocket, Wasted Life 79, he's going to step on you. Let it go. Those are just, these are spectacular songs that his drumming is just off the charts. Let's take a quick little break because I'm pushing the moment to where it'll cut off on me and we'll come back and we'll hit Tommy Lee's drums and the moments that I was like, yeah, this, he, he could still win this. Because, you know what? He's, he's, a, he's a great drummer. So let's just take a quick break. I'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Motley Crue, drummer, Nikki Six. The first song that you think I th that I think of with him is Doctor Feelgood. The the drumming on that one just is out, out of this out of off the charts. Just boom. I love it. That's my favorite song of theirs. I know it's cliche, but it is. There is a song that I stumbled upon <clears throat> as I listened to their classic albums, which would be their first album all the way through Dr. Feelgood. I listened to all of those albums, just as I listened to Def Leppard's albums for this podcast. Yes, I did a lot of listening to, to, to classic music for this. I'm constantly singing a lot of songs in my head was Tommy's drum piece from Cherokee Studios off of Theater of Pain. I don't know if that's on everybody's CD, record, tape, illegally downloaded music. I don't know. But it's on the uh, Amazon Music, what I listen to, I've told you before. I'm assuming it's on, if you have a Spotify CD or whatever... Uh, download, yada yada, you listen to, it's on that, I guess. Uh, Apple Music too, so on, so forth. But it's like a, I'm going to say four minute drum piece of just him. It's like a four minute drum solo. It was good. It was really good. It was one of the better drum solos I've heard. Now, it was recording. It was in a studio. It wasn't live. It wasn't, you know, playing to a crowd. I enjoyed it. Now, was it heavy metal? No. Was it jazz? No. Was it hard rock? No. Was it rock and roll? Yes. Some would say it was the epitome of classic rock and roll. And if you think about the year, Theater of Pain was 1985. Classic rock started coming around in around 1982. And this would have be that type of drumming. So it wasn't like heavy. It was, but it was good. It was good drumming. It was really good. 
Uh, Red Hot is good drumming. Man, it's good. Come on and dance. I think that's the first album. Man, that's good. Rattlesnake Shake. That's also off Dr. Feel Good. Um, I didn't think it was that good, but somewhere along the middle of it, all of a sudden he gives a, a feel in that song, and then it carries over for the last half of the song. It's spectacular. I was like, that just changed this song from mediocre to borderline great. In my opinion, maybe not yours, because it wasn't that good of a song to begin with. Got shavings on my paper all of a sudden. Where did that come from? He, no, Motley Crue is not done what Def Leppard has done, from what I can tell. They do not have all these curated albums. They do not have that. They have a bunch of compilations. They have not gone through and done that. But they did. The last thing, the last big thing they did was the movie. Yeah, they did. Tommy Lee has done a lot of stuff on his own. Methods of Mayhem. I did not like it. Uh, he's done pornographic films. He's got a big old Johnson. We know that. I'm pretty sure everybody's seen that film. I would be surprised if you have not, to be honest with you. Especially if you were born with one and nine in front of your birth year. <laughs> uh I cannot say that because a guy lost an arm, that should automatically give the point to somebody else. It's not like with the last one, because the guy actually succumbed to his cancer of the heart, and it took him out of the running with Eric Carr. Versus Alex Van Halen. Because if Eric Carr had stayed with Kiss the entire time from 1980 on, Eric Carr would have beaten Alex Van Halen in drumming. But Rick Allen has been with Def Leppard the entire time. Tommy Lee has not. He has taken t time off. He's gone away. I've got to take some of this stuff into consideration. So I've got to give the point to, to Rick Allen. I mean, he's lost an arm. He's maintained the ability to continue to play these hard, difficult drumming songs. He does them live. He does these songs live to this day. And he does them well. I do not see anything in the media about 
Def Leppard is playing to drum tracks. Def Leppard has a drummer off stage playing along to cover the holes Rick Allen makes. I don't see any of this. I see other bands where they say they're they're singing to tracks, they're playing to tracks. But I don't see it with this band. I've seen where Motley Crue plays along to, to tracks. They've admitted it, that they play with, with tracks in the background to fill in the gaps. They've admitted to playing with it. So that right there should tell you that they're not going to win this category. So this is giving Def Leppard the musicianship category with Joe Elliott, Rick Allen, and Steve Clark winning 3-2 to two musicianship with Nikki Six winning the bass. Which would make sense because Nikki Six is Motley Crue, folks. So let's roll on down to showmanship. This is a no-brainer. Let's start off with Motley Crue. Motley Crue has spinning drum kits, roller coaster drum kits, elevated drum kits above the gr the ground, excuse me, not the ground, the crowd. They have fireworks, they have explosions. They have dancing girls on the stage. Their show is utterly amazing. Let's roll over to Def Leppard. Def Leppard, they are high energy. Man, they are running all over the stage. Even today, man, these people are pumped. They are moving. They're 60 years old and they're running around. I am impressed. Their stage oftentimes is round. So you've got a 360 view of this band. You're seeing it all. They've got lasers. Foo, foo, foo. They've got like scrolling uh, words, lyrics, things going behind them on a humongous screen. It's a good show. It's not Motley Crue's show. It isn't. It's not. Man, this is an easy category to go to Motley Crue. Because, man, if I'm going to go see somebody, if I, you're telling me, hey, man, you want to go see some drum kits come up off the stage, spin around while the guy's playing the drums, go on a roller coaster, and then come back? while fireworks are exploding and then there's half-naked women dancing on the stage? Or do you want to go see some guys run around on stage? Which is really cool because it's better than standing there and like a bunch of lasers going around stuff like that and like all sorts of like spectacular things going on in the background on the big screen. I'm like, no nah, man. I want to see this drum stuff. I want to see these spinning drums. Plus, the, the hot chicks sound kind of cool, too. Yeah, Motley Crue gets the point. 
So let's move over to direction, which is another pretty quick moving category because both of these bands have managed to stay relevant and within the media. They've, they've done a good job. Uh, they either have managed to release albums regularly or they've managed to tour regularly. Now, they do have lulls within the years of the, uh, the album releases. Like, uh, you look at uh, Motley Crue, Dr. Feelgood to Motley Crue, self-titled, 89 to 94, or mm, 2000 to 2008 with New Tattoo and Saints of Los Angeles. Or you look at Def Leppard. You've got the biggest leaps are 83 to 87 for Pyromania and Hysteria, but that is a very easy problem. Their drummer lost his arm. Kind of got to wait. Uh, 87 to 92 with Adrenalize. I mean, that's, God, I mean, come on. You should be back on it. But they were touring with Hysteria that entire time. So, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, 2002 to 2006, X to yeah, and then 2008 until 2015. So, but with all of these gaps in the albums are tours. So when these, both of these bands are not making music, they are touring. So that when there's a gap, there's not a gap. They've managed to fill any hole with something to keep the name out there. Now, what do you associate this with? Is it the band? Are they that smart? Or should you say it's the band management? Molly Crew has been associated with Doc McGee who's also managed Kiss and Bon Jovi? Or is it Def Leppard's, who's Jimmy Ayers, Jimmy Ayers, excuse me, who's been with Aerosmith and Whitesnake? Both of these guys are great. I mean, this is some spectacular management. So, I mean, <laughs> who do you, what do you say about this? They've both, both bands have become multi-millionaires to the point of probably on the verge of what 20 30 100 million dollars maybe even these guys are rich to where they would have never thought of in the 80s even the 90s so it's amazing to me this is the, they they've both done a great job. This is a this is another one of those ties. Here we come to our last category. Probably my favorite category actually. Hits awards test of time. We're going to start off with Motley Crue like we have for the rest. Motley Crue, they are on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. They won a 1991 American Music Award for Dr. Feelgood. 
roll into number one albums. One, Dr. Phil Good, number one in the United States. Number one singles, they don't have any. But they do have a gold selling single in Dr. Phil Good, it means it sold a million, which is pretty good. So let's review Hollywood Walk of Fame, an American Music Award, one number one album, and a gold selling single. Hmm, not many awards, very few true number one hits. And let's roll over to Def Leppard. Def Leppard's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Motley Crue should be, just because of longevity. Def Leppard won an American Music Award in 1989. They won two of those. They won it for the album Hysteria, and they won it for Favorite Heavy Metal Artist in 1989. They also are on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. They won a Planet Rock Award in 2017. The Brick Wall Award. Never heard of that, but they won it. Metal Hammer Golden Gods Award in 2009. The Legends Award. So they got two real war awards. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And then a couple of these things that I've never heard of. All right, number one albums. Hysteria, number one in the United States, Australia, Canada, Norway, New Zealand, the UK. Pyromania was held off from being number one in the United States by Guesses? 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 Hang on, let me tell you the year. I'm going to give you a chance to guess. The year was 1983. Guesses? The answer is... Thriller. Okay. And they also have a number one album with Adrenalize. It was number one in the United States. Australia. Canada. New Zealand. The UK and... Switzerland. Wow, Switzerland. Hmm. So let's check out number one scene. Those are the only two. They have, to, they have two, two number one albums in a bunch of countries. A bunch of countries. All right. Now they got quite a few of these next ones too. Number one singles. Now I've put down U.S. Billboard regular. U.S. Rock, and then any other country will pop up as well. Okay. Number one singles. Photograph, U.S. Rock. Rock of Ages, U.S. Rock. Love Bites, number one, Billboard Top 200. <clears throat> Let's get rocked. Number one, U.S. Rock. Also went gold selling single in Australia. Uh, stand Up and Kick Love into Motion. Number one, U.S. Rock. 
when love and hate collide, number one, Ireland, a silver-selling single in the UK. Promises, which was a great song off of Euphoria, number one, U.S. Rock. Now, you might be saying, what about Pour Some Sugar On Me? That's like their flag song. Well, it did not make number one. Where did it rank? Where did it come in? Let's see. I don't even remember. Pour Some Sugar On Me. It only got to number, it got to number two. But it did go a gold-selling single in the U.S. and the U.K. So let's see. They have several number one singles all over the world. A gold single in the U.S. How many in the U.K.? They have one in the U.K., a silver single in the U.K as well a gold single in the U in the excuse me Australia <laughs> okay now is the test of time which I like to say if the aliens show up what will they hear first do you think they're gonna hear Dr. Feelgood pour some sugar on me when love and hate collide, let's get rocked. Photograph, rock of ages, love bites, promises, something else. What do you think? Women, animal, hysteria, come on. What do you think they're going to hear first? Well, I really don't think it'll be Dr. Feelgood. I really don't. It could be on the playlist, but I don't think it's going to be near the top. If it's on shuffle, it could be. The test of time, I really think, will go. Hits go to Def Leppard. Awards go to Def Leppard. Test of time, it's going to have to go to them as well. I mean, they've got more number ones than they do. They've, I mean, that means they've got more songs that are going to stand around longer. I honestly think that um, Pour Some Sugar On Me and Photograph, Love Bites, will be heard much longer than Dr. Feel Good and Shout at the Devil. I really do. However, Shout of the Devil should be a church singing song because it does have a really good message. Point goes to Def Leppard. <laughs> so, this is a two points to Def Leppard. One point to Motley Crue, and two go to the to a tie. We've got two ties. 
one to Motley Crue, and two for Def Leppard. So, Def Leppard actually wins. We actually have a winner this time. Impressive. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What are your thoughts? I mean, I don't see how you can disagree. I mean, how can you think that, I mean, the hits speak for themselves. The direction, well, that's, you know, that's just how it is. Musicianship, okay, you might can argue that. Showmanship, I mean, come on. Sales, yeah, I mean, that was a tie. If you think somebody should want should have won sales, let me know. But the only thing I think somebody could argue with totally would be musicianship. Yeah, that would be the one. That's one and two for Def Leppard right there. And then that's one for Motley Crue on showmanship. And then that's a tie. And then that's a tie. So, yeah, that's two to one. Yeah. So that's a wrap on that. So the next one will be, well, I don't want to ruin it for you. I don't want to tell you. I already have it figured out who they're going to be. And they're going to be, um, well, one of the guys is actually dead. And the other guy's alive, but they started roughly in the same time and have been compared to each other off and on throughout their careers. One is my second favorite artist of all time, and the other is my mother's favorite artist of all time. Put it that way. Um, yeah, it's going to be a doozy. I don't know, I really have no idea who's going to win this. I don't know who's going to have the best sales. I don't know who has the most hits. I don't know who's going to have the best musicianship, to be honest with you. I don't even know who's got the best showmanship on this one coming in. I do not know any of this. This is going to be a real one, and I don't know how long it's going to take me. So I may not be back for 10 to 14 days. So. I may not be back for a little while. So, that's a wrap. Yeah, buddy. So, yet again, you can always reach me on Instagram, Gmail, and Facebook. I am at themusicthatmadeus at gmail.com. It's facebook.com slash Ben Davis and Carthy. And it's the music, it's at the music that made us on Instagram. Uh, I am on Facebook, but it's WNC Ben. That's what I'm on. And it's the music that MA2 is the one we have currently, but there's nothing really going on with it. We're working on that. I think we might remake that, try to get a better handle. I don't know. We'll see. So let's see what happens. Anyway... I hope you all have a happy Easter, 
and happy Easter Monday, and have a great week coming ahead. This is Ben Davis, signing off.